Welcome. Thank you for coming back to another episode of Maverick, Maverick Messages. Messages. I'm Josh. And I'm Chloe. And we are seniors here at Providence Baptist College. Please listen closely to this message and allow God to speak to your heart. Acts chapter 6, verse number 1. And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Let's get down to verse 4 for the sake of time. But we will give ourselves... To, to, continuing to prayer and to the ministry of the word, verse number 7, and the word of God increased and the number of the disciples multiplied on Jerusalem greatly and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Acts chapter 6 is a very important passage in the Bible. Many people, people believe that it is the first time when the church uh, elected deacons. Some would say they were deacons, some would say they were not deacons. And quite honestly, I don't care what you believe on something like that that's your business I'm not gonna waste my time fighting with people Amen. over things like that Amen. but it's an important thing in the Bible for that reason um, but I don't want to focus on that I want to focus on the phrase in verse 1 and in those days in those days and we're gonna look at that three times in the book of Acts very briefly now what were those days like they were days of uncertainty when it wasn't always clear what God was doing, He was beginning to work in some new ways. We were phasing out from Old Testament to New Testament. The church was becoming you know, Jew and Gentiles in one body of believers. And so it was, some, it was a time of uncertainty. In fact, just a few days earlier, Peter stood in the empty tomb and wondered at that which was come to pass. And some disciples were discouraged and saying, we thought he was the Messiah, and now he died. And Jesus upbraided them on the road from Emmaus. And, and, but that was the day they were, they, were, they were facing some uncertain times. They were days of fierce opposition. James was beheaded. Stephen, one of the men chosen, one of the seven men chosen in this chapter, was stoned to death for his faith in Christ. Christians were being beaten, fined, jailed, and even put to death for their faith in Christ. They were being hunted down and persecuted because Christianity was an illegal religion. And Brother Oswald knows a little bit about that. We're trying to labor in a country where it's not legal. They were dark and evil days spiritually. Rome had followed Greece. Media and Persia, as the empires of the known world, they were pagans, they were heathens, they ruled the world. They promoted idolatry and every kind of wickedness you could imagine. Israel had long become a degenerate vine, becoming so wicked that they were carried into captivity and very few Jews ever returned to Israel because they were very content to, to stay where they were. Those who did return... A lot of them brought back some of those heathen either customs or whatever with them. In fact, that's why the problem arose in this chapter was you had some Jews who were speaking Greek and acting like Greeks and some Jews who were more orthodox and it caused a problem. And I'm not trying to say that this is what this passage is talking about, but let me tell you this. There is always going to be division. When you have in a Bible college, in a church, in a Christian school, in a nation, wherever, when you have some people who are trying to follow the Bible and trying to follow the Lord and trying to walk in holiness and others who are trying to follow the culture around them. And this whole idea that we all have to get together and forget what divides us and all become one and just overlook that, it's nonsense. You're always going to have division when you have people trying to live for God and others who are trying to live for the world in spite of these things. 
persecution, opposition, uncertainty, all of these things, what we see in this chapter is that, is that in those days, the church in Jerusalem was a thriving, flourishing, soul-winning, fruitful, Bible-believing church. And quite honestly, I'm tired of the narrative that says it can't be done in our day. And it can't be done in our town. And it can't be done because it's not like it used to be. And we're, we're, we're following a narrative that is unbiblical with all that they faced. In those days, they had a flourishing church. And I just want to say that when you go out of this place and you have a home and you have a family and you have a ministry, that you can flourish in our day. It doesn't have to dominate and control us. The Holy Spirit is not done working. And so how do we have a flourishing church in our day? Three times, we're going to look at this in those days, that phrase in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1, verse number 15 and 16. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of names together were about 120. That's not very many. Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. The first thing we see is that a flourishing church is a scriptural church. What just happened? Jesus had ascended to heaven. He gave his church the great commission and commanded them to tarry in Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And that's exactly what they did. While they were waiting, Peter, the lead apostle, if you will, the man of God, stood up, opened the Bible, and led that church, that assembly of born-again, baptized believers who have been called out of the world to serve Jesus Christ, he stood up and he opened the word of God and he led them according to this book. And this is the exact opposite that happened at Mount Sinai when the people were waiting for Moses and said, Up, uh, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what has become of him. And Aaron, a weak spiritual leader, followed the will of the people. And when you have that happen, you're always going to have problems. We need, in our day, we need strong men of God. And we need pastors. And we need dads. And we need men. And we need ladies too. But especially male leadership is lacking today. And we need pastors who are going to stand up, open the Bible, not try to go to a blog or a website or, 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 or social media and figure out what they're about and where they're going and what they're doing and say, well, what is, well, I guess that just because this is acceptable now, I guess it's okay, but to go to the book and say, this is what we're doing and this is where we're going and this is how we're going to live for God. We need in our homes, we need dads who are going to lead their families for the Lord. And I'm going to say this, a lot of times it changes the rules around the home change when the kids become teenagers. Quite often. You know what that tells me? 
That's not leadership. And it's not a church, it's not a democracy. And the Christian home is not a democracy. And we, if we ever have had a time where we ever needed men of God to lead according to the Bible, it's now. Yes, sir. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to go a step further. Go ahead. These men lived and walked with Jesus for three and a half years. But every time in the book of Acts that I read in the book of Acts, that there was a question, starting with this thing right here. I never, you never find them saying, well, Jesus said. They always went to the Bible. You know why? Because that's what Jesus trained them to do. Jesus said, don't just believe on me. For, for, but I look at the look at the, Jesus constantly took them to the scripture. He showed them when they were doubting about who he was. He took them to what? The Bible. And Peter said, we have a more sure word. Amen. The written word. And God, and Dad, Dad preached a message about God magnifying His Word above His name. And friends, we don't need to base our lives on what someone says. And I'm not saying that Jesus is below the Bible. You understand that. But I'm saying we need to know what to do and how to do it. It's right here. And you know what? There are going to be some that are going to go out from us. Because they're not of us. And that's okay. I need to be okay with that. We are right. We need supporting churches who stay true to the Bible. I had some churches change. I had a pastor go Southern Baptist. We need missionaries who stay true to the Bible. Brother Daniel Hudson, I got to write his dad back and thank him for an email I got. It's a crying shame that a pastor has to write an email about missionaries who are unethical. And ask them if you change beyond the whole staying, you know, unethical support, but beyond that, but if you change from your doctrine, your standards, then please let us know. It's a shame that I have to get an email from a pastor saying, do you believe in this basic stuff? It's a shame. By the way, when I planted a church in Madagascar, I didn't try to plant an American or a Malagasy church. I tried to plant a biblical church that would function in Madagascar. That's what we need. And when culture says this, the Bible takes priority over that. And I get bothered when the missionaries talk to me, well, I, well in our area, we just, we just can't, we just can't. That bothers me, friend. I have been very stubborn about just doing what I know is right, regardless of what others think. Number two, a flourishing church is a spirit-filled church. Chapter 2, verses 16 through 18. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. That's what we need in our day, is spirit-filled Christians. People are turning to methods, to programs, technology. They're trying to create an experience. You don't need that. We need to get back to Spirit-filled Christianity, to Holy Spirit-empowered lives. Elisha wanted a double portion of Elijah's spirit. That's what I wanted when my dad and other men of God laid their hands on me. I wanted that spirit, (coughs) and I have tried to take that same spirit 
They were not an American church. Do some things a little differently. Like I said, not trying to be American or Malagasy, trying to be biblical. That functions there. But I have tried to take the spirit of Faith Baptist Church in Bourbonnais and take that to our Faith Baptist Church in Madagascar. Because I believe in it. And I want that same spirit. It's not some man-made thing. It's the working of the Holy Spirit. And I want to say this, that God, that your people need to see God do something for them. Malagasy people think that we can do what we do because of the almighty American dollar. Missions money is good, but it can destroy if we we don't use it right, correctly. It's good, used correctly. And they have this idea that we can't, and you can because. I don't want to get into the whole story, but I just felt like our church, we don't need to just stick a hand out from the beginning with the building and land. But go to God. Start giving and sacrificing and praying ourselves and see what God did, what God would do. And I told our church, if we can't give $12,500 of our own money as a church, we have no business even looking at trying to buy land and build a building. And that doesn't sound like a lot of money to you. But when your minimum salary is, when your minimum salary is $75 a month, that's a huge amount. Man, we began to pray and give it little by little by little. And we had our big offering for a one Sunday. And on that one Sunday, our church gave over $12,500 alone on that one Sunday. And God began to send it in. And God just began to send it in. And just enough, we got to the, in the project, we got to the, because the pressure's on. There's no loan, but you have a contract with builders and a payment schedule. Every time we got to where it wasn't enough, or was it getting down, so God would send more. And we gave, and we gave over $45,000 <coughs> to that project ourselves. Amen. You know what our people saw? It's for them, too. Yes, sir. That'll work anywhere <laughs> in the world. And finally, a flourishing church is a soul-winning church. Isn't it funny that this church was flourishing and exploding? Look at, look at verse 1 again in Acts chapter 6. When the number of the disciples was multiplied. How does that happen? It doesn't happen through lifestyle evangelism. And I'm not trying to say that, 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 that our lifestyle doesn't matter. And I'm not trying to say we have men in our church that were won to the Lord by some man at work. And I'm not trying to say it doesn't matter. We shouldn't do that. But there's no place. There's no church in the Bible or now that flourishes and multiplies apart. From soul winning. And in verse 7, same thing, and the word of God increased. And you see that, and the number of the disciples multiplied. And you find in the book of Acts people engaged in soul winning (coughs) and gospel preaching. And it'll still work. And I, I, you know what? God sent, when I went to Madagascar, I, I, I I was so clueless in some things. And I, I, I look back and I say, man, I didn't know what I was doing. But, but God sent some, because there, no, there was no veteran missionary there for me to turn to. We were opening up. I mean, it, 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 the country had just opened up in 2002. I got there in 2008, and there were, guys were just getting started. God would send veteran missionaries from other countries to Africa, you know, along to help. But I will tell you what saved me. I, said, I had the principles in place. How to get it all done in Madagascar? I didn't have it all figured out. 
When I got there after learning language, I just started knocking doors. Morning and afternoon, morning and afternoon. I just knocked doors and people said, you can't do that here. They'll think you're you're a JW. You can't, you know know what? Say what you want to say. And I've heard it from people over there all the time. We can't do that there because, and because, and because. And you know what? For 15 years, our church has just knocked doors. And we've done other things. We've had special days and we've had, you know, outreaches and whatever. That's not against that. But I will tell you, the majority of the people in our church in Madagascar are sitting in that pew because of a personal witness. And that's not, that's not a joke. It hasn't been medical, and I'm not against it. I mean, I, I, we have seen some fruit from other things. I'm not against that. But a soul-winning church. That'll do it. So, don't believe the narrative. In our day, it can't be done. I, I get so sick of that. You know, I don't think anyone's been beheaded recently. I mean, I don't, I know it's bad. I know there's uncertainty. I know that we see that stuff on the horizon. But as of right now, I don't think we're living in a darker day than the church in Jerusalem and those other churches lived in. But with scriptural leadership and with spirit-filled Christians, and with a commitment to soul winning, they had a flourishing church. And you know what? That'll work in 2024 anywhere in the world. Wow, that was good. Apply this principle to your life and see how God can use you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Maverick Maverick Messages. Messages.